says this is what the event is and i'm responding to jesus this way or when that happens do you put fear in the gap do you put anxiety in the gap do you put anger in the gap and i believe that the abundant life is lived in the moments before we respond to whatever's in front of us no matter what happens you always have a choice in how you respond you get to decide what you'll do Today, Pastor Daniel shares that those moments when you're deciding what to do are very important because it's an opportunity to choose God's abundant life. So how will you fill that gap? Will you worry? Will you respond with anger? Or will you take a deep breath and choose to trust in the God who's big enough to handle it all? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Joshua chapter 10 as he continues his message, Son, Stand Still. That everything is something that we can do until we don't feel like doing it anymore. Right? So it just gets too hard or I just can't handle it anymore. But when you're called to it, God will equip you in it and he will see you through it. So sometimes we just need to write down, this is what I'm called to. Do you understand what your calling is? Now, in some ways, you don't have to think too hard because if you're married, you're called to your spouse. If you're a parent, you're called to your kids. If you're a grandparent, you're called to your spouse, obviously, and your kids and your grandkids. If you're a teacher, then you're called to do that, you know? And so our calling begins right with the places that we find ourselves right now. Like if you're single right now, you are called to be single. And you pursue that office in such a way that brings God glory. And if God changes that, then then it adjusts. But you start with your calling right where you are. Because often I say, well, what's your calling? Like, well, I really want to be called to be like an astronaut. But, you know, I've really got these 19 kids that I'm raising, you know. But I really want to be an astronaut. Well, well, you got 19 kids, so you're actually called to be a parent. And the only space you're going to be doing is putting stars on your kids' ceilings. You know, like, that's how that works. And so your calling begins right where you are. And have we embraced those callings? And can we trust God in the midst of those things? That verse read to me when I read, I was like, man, it's like Joshua just finds out, he gets up, he goes, he marches 25 miles in the middle of the night. Like if I ran 25, I mean, I wouldn't run 25 miles. How many of you guys see those marathon stickers? You know, 13.1, 26.2. I got one that says 0.0. I don't run. I just sleep. You know what I mean? I mean, just imagine marching 25 miles in the middle of the night. I mean, even if you're in a 10-minute mile, which I probably couldn't run a 10-minute mile for one mile, let alone 25 miles. I mean, that's going to take a while to get there. But they get there so swiftly 
that they come upon them. They're not even ready for them. And it says in verse 10, so the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them among the road that goes back to Beth Haran and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haran that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Asakah. And they died. There were more who died from the hailstones that the children of Israel killed with the sword. Now, so Joshua, they're in the midst of this battle and the armies that have gathered together begin to retreat and God has another plan because they were not able to retreat because it's almost like God is using the forces of nature to fight for Israel. God is sending heat-seeking hailstones, so to speak. You know, it doesn't exactly say that. Can you imagine if you're a fleeing army in the midst of a battle and all of a sudden large hailstones start to hit your people? You know, it's funny, I was actually listening to somebody reading an excerpt from the the Napoleonic Wars. And they were talking about one of Napoleon's army was stuck trying to get across a bridge. It was a large army, and there was cannon fire coming from both sides of them. And this foot soldier is recounting how literally the only way, because there was this bridge and there was only one one person go through, that they were literally sitting ducks. And the only way they can go forward was when a cannonball would rip through and kill a bunch of people and it would make room for them. And right as I was reading about these hailstones dropping, I started thinking about this guy's account of this horrific situation. Just imagine like you're in a fleeing army and all of a sudden a huge hailstone just takes the guy out next to you. Or of course, if you remember from the Lord of the Rings movies or the Chronicles of Narnia movies when they would throw those big rocks and the special effects would show this whole group of people get taken out. That's what's going on here. God is literally fighting on behalf of the children of Israel. And so much so that it literally says there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. So God did more work utilizing nature than the children of Israel did with their own hand. Now, I don't think that that's by chance because I think we always need to remember that whatever it is that we put into these lives that we're living, God is always putting in more. You know, it reminds me of how our Heavenly Father takes care of us. I'll never forget. I've told you guys this story before. But I remember there was a tree in my backyard and it's like, we really need to take that tree down, you know? And so I remember I'm like, well, okay, I'll get like a axe. Now I realize in hindsight that I should have used the chainsaw, but I'm from New Jersey and chainsaws make me nervous. You know, I'm not like a fully like Pacific Northwest guy, you know what I mean? So I mean, like I figure I might lose a finger or something and or a whole arm, you know, not having a lot of skill with a chainsaw, you know, because when New Jersey, you don't, if you have a chainsaw, there's no reason for it, you know? And so at least where I lived. And so I had this axe. And so I remember I'm out in the backyard. I'm like swinging this axe at this tree. And I actually had to borrow the axe from my neighbor. I don't even actually own an axe, to be honest with you. So that, that's how not mountain man I am. And so I'm hitting this tree. And I'm real. And in the beginning, I'm feeling really good about it. I'm like, you know, I'm like looking at Lynn. I'm like kissing my biceps. I'm like, you know. <laughs> I'm like, check this out, I'm doing good. But then I started getting a little tired, you know, because it didn't come down in a couple whacks. And then all of a sudden, Obadiah, this was a bunch of years back, and Obadiah and two of his buddies rolled up, like, and Obadiah's like, hey, Dad. I'm like, what's up, buddy? And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to take this here tree down with this axe. 
And they're like, can we help? Yeah, you guys can help. So I took a couple swings and then these guys got this thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm like really laying into this thing. Like, you know, and then all of a sudden the kids are in there and they're like, you know, like three little dudes, you know, and they're just like, you know, and so we're taking turns. And as we're going around, like I'm cracking up and and like Lynn would look out from the house, you know, and there to be these kids and they're like, you know, like, like, like they're like hitting this thing, like not even doing anything. And then they're starting to take their shirts off, you know, and they're like, and they're like tying their shirts around their head and they're like flexing. And it's like, and they're really into this thing and I'm getting really tired, you know, and finally after this whole, like all these rounds and me and these three dudes, finally the thing, you hear it crack and they're like, oh, it's coming down. Oh, it's coming down. And they're up there again. They're like, kind of like you know, yeah, and you know, and then when the thing finally went down, these guys are dancing around this tree like they just conquered the world, you know. And it was so cool. And then they're like, they're like, I'm like taking pictures of them. They got their foot on the tree, you know, and they're flexing. They got no shirt on, and I'm dying here. But it was like they're like, man, that thing came down because of us. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I did 98% of it. You know what I mean? And in some ways, that's what life is like with the things of God. That's what it's like. It's like, he lets us hold the axe. We get to hit it a little bit, but God's the one doing all the work. And when we say, we're really doing it. He's like, yes, you are. Sometimes, like, he lets, like, the children of Israel are in this battle, but God's killing more people with hailstones than they've been fighting all day. And that's how the Lord works. But again, too often we forget that that's how God works. We forget that's what he's doing. And he loves us to be in the middle of it. Like, I'll be honest, the best thing about taking that tree down was being there with those three boys. That was hands down the best part of the whole thing. And it was funny that after it was over, Lynn's like, you should have gotten a chainsaw. I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, tell me now. I've been working out there all day. You wanted it. You should have bought me a chainsaw, you know. And, and so it was one of those things. But the best part about it was the kids being involved, you know. And in a lot of ways, I think for the Lord, he lets us be involved in all these things because he enjoys us being involved. But he doesn't need the army, the children of Israel, to get this thing done. He doesn't need it. He can wipe them all out with hailstones from the sky. And so you have all this going on. And then it says in verse 12, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites, verse 12, from before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Alijan. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there had been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Now, this is most commonly called Joshua's long day. See, what was going on is as this army is fleeing from Joshua, and as God is raining large hailstones from the sky, 
Joshua prayed that God would extend the daylight because this was at a time where it was hard to fight. I mean, it was long before you had like, you know, big infrared lights and, you know, night vision goggles and, and all this stuff. And so you can only really battle during the daytime. And so Joshua realizes that this confederation is vulnerable, but he needs more time. And so he literally asks God for the sun to stand still over Gibeon and the moon so that it would stay there so that God may bring revenge upon the enemies. And it says, so the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and it did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Now, I think what's fascinating about this is, you know, it's beautiful. If you read Bible commentaries, and I would really encourage you to, you know, if you read them, what you find is that there's a lot of commentators who want to find natural ways that this could happen. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I really enjoy it. Like, I kind of enjoy, like, the, there's got to be a real, like, how did this happen? But then when you read something that says, like, notice this, and there's been no day like it before or after. So then you start to realize, like, all attempts fail. So some people want to say that the earth slowed down its rotation and that God stopped all the cataclysmic effects that would have happened. If the earth slowed down its rotation like uh, huge monstrous tidal waves, objects flying around, all these things that we would never want to have happen. Unless you watch like San Andreas or one of those Day After Tomorrow, one of these movies that try and show us some crazy things that might happen. But really what you have here is you have the God of the all possible doing what has never been done before or since. Simply so that the children of Israel could be victorious. So I could give you all a million theories on what people say, how this happened or not. And people who lived in Alaska like, that happens every summer in Alaska, you know. And so you have other people, you know. But the idea here is that this was not normal and God found a way in his perfect plan to make sure that the children of Israel are victorious. Just the way he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for Jesus rising from the dead. You know, there's so many examples of this in the Bible. And the thing is, is do you actually believe that God can do whatever he wants to do to bring his purposes to pass in your life? I don't ever believe in leaps of faith. I believe that faith is the next logical step if you believe this book. That's what I believe. I believe that believing in God is not hard if you believe this book. I don't think it's a leap. I don't think you're jumping into the dark hoping that God will catch you. You're just taking the information. You're saying, if this information is true, then God's trustworthy. It's the simplest thing for me. But I realize that for each one of us, given what's going on in your life and world, it's a choice that you make. You choose it. I've been talking with our our staff about this, is that in every situation, there's an event that happens, and then there's a gap. And then you respond to that. And each one of us is responsible for whatever you put in that gap. The Bible says the abundant life is lived when you put faith in that gap. When you put faith, trust, you trust God in that gap. Whatever the event was, you proactively simply respond to Jesus and you live. But for so many of us, we're not owning the gap. And what I would say is that God actually gives you ownership of that gap and he holds you accountable for how you respond to whatever it is. So what are you sticking in the gap? When something goes on, what is your response? Is it a trust, faith-based response that says, this is what the event is, and I'm responding to Jesus this way? Or when that happens, do you put fear in the gap? 
Do you put anxiety in the gap? Do you put anger in the gap? And I believe that the abundant life is lived in the moments before we respond to whatever's in front of us. You realize that if somebody says something horrible to you, you have absolute responsibility on how you respond. You can yell at them, or you can say, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I see you're very angry right now. Is there something that I did to provoke that? I'm sorry. Like, you could respond however you want, right? Is anyone bound to respond a certain way? You choose it. And it's those choices that God holds us accountable for. All of us. Our life is lived in the moment after something happens and then you put something into it. And when I read about Joshua's long day, I say, God, I simply want to trust. I want every response to be responsive. God, I trust you. God, I'm going to respond to you. God, I'm not going to allow these things to make me fearful. But instead, I know that you can do anything. If you could extend the day to sunlight 24 hours with Joshua and the children of Israel can beat this confederation right on. Now, from there, notice what happens in verse 16. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in the cave of Makeda. And it was told Joshua saying, the five kings have been found hidden in the cave of Makeda. So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord God has delivered them into your hands. And then it happened, while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Verse 22, Then Joshua said, open up the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out the five kings to him from the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And so it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near. Put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and they put the feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord God will do to your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. And so it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded that they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. Now, what we find is that in the midst of this retreat and these hailstones and the day gets long that the five kings haul themselves up in a cave and as they're pursuing this army that is trying to find their way into safety in fortified cities Joshua gets news about these five kings he says I want you to roll large stones against the mouth of the cave to keep those kings in there and then we're going to continue to pursue them and we're going to wait here and so sure enough what we find here is that 
these men continue to pursue their enemies. He says, don't allow them to enter the cities, for God has given them into our hands. And so finally, once all of these people are conquered, then they make their way all the way back to this cave of Makeda, where these five kings, and then Joshua says, I want you to open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings. And so they roll the stone away. They bring out these five kings, the five kings that we've heard about. And then what's interesting to me here is Joshua tells the captains of his men, so these are his key generals, he says, I want you to come here, I want you to put your feet on these guys' necks. Which obviously, putting your foot on the neck of a king, that's like a a very symbolic action, right? Like these kings are completely defeated at this point. But then Joshua speaks to these men. Because he realized he's asking them to do something that customarily you wouldn't do. Right? Like a normal captain would never put or even attempt to put his foot on the neck of a king. But notice what Joshua says. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Now, how many of you have heard that before in the book of Joshua? All of us. Where is it from? Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. This is exactly what God told Joshua before he started. And now Joshua is taking the exact same word that God has given him. And now he gives it to the people closest to him. Now you know I'm going to apply this to our lives, right? Brothers and sisters, listen. We need to learn how to speak the words of life that God has given us to other people. Joshua received this word from the Lord. He said, look, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Don't be dismayed. God will fight for you and he will take care of you. Now Joshua takes the same truth that God spoke to him and now he applies it to the people around him. Joshua is sharing the word that God has given him to build up the people around him. And I think this is a lost art today because we live in a culture and a time that it's just people like, it's just about me and God. It's about me and God. Wrong. It's about God and you and then everybody else. Like we talk about we live upward and inward and we live outward. Our culture says just live upward and inward or really our culture says live inward or the church says you got to live upward and inward but it's an upward and outward. You need to make sure that you take the things that God has spoken to you and you speak them to the people around you. Because these words spoke life into Joshua. Joshua was about to embark on something that had never been done before. His mentor, Moses, never walked into the promised land. And God is saying, Joshua, you're going to go in and don't be scared. Don't be worried. Be strong and of good courage because I got this. And now he's experiencing God's fulfillment of what he said. And now Joshua is passing that along to the people closest to him. And my friends, just as unbelief is a communicable disease, so is belief, so is faith. And too often, you know what, we miss out by not speaking life into other people. When someone's afraid, we're like, yeah, I'm freaked out too. That's the worst thing to say to somebody. See, a godly person reminds people that but God is important. When was the last time you spoke truth into someone's life? that God has spoken to you. Do you ever think that when God speaks something to you personally, that God wants you to store it in your heart as part of your tool belt that you can give out to somebody else? I'm constantly realizing that what God shows me is not only for me. I mean, it is for me. But God's like, Daniel, I want to use these truths to help other people. 
And I believe that's true for all of us. Jesus is You were made to be a part of a community. God never intended you to walk through life alone. So, when he gives you a word of encouragement or truth that impacts you, he intends for you to share that with the people in your life. Today, Pastor Daniel pointed out how Joshua comforted his men with the same comfort that he had received from the Lord months earlier. This is part of living the upward, inward, outward life. So take what God has spoken to you and build up the people in your circle. Breathe God's life-giving truth into their story and to help fan the flame of faith in them. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. We hope you come back next time when Pastor Daniel will remind you that most of life is made up of mundane, regular moments. While there are exciting mountaintop times here or there, they're not the norm. That's why we've got to learn the art of normal, everyday faithfulness. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.